And welcome to the very first Winner's Circle podcast brought to you by three University of Miami students. I am your host of today's show, Dylan Wax. With me today, I have our very own Kyle Somolovsky. What's up? And our very own Alan Katz. So the topic of our podcast today is going to be Eastern Conference NBA offseason. So let's just get right into it. Alan, I'll start with you. So far, who do you think uh, in the Eastern Conference has had the best offseason so far? So personally, uh, might be a little biased here, but a lot of people would probably go with the Chicago Bulls, but I'm going to stay local and I'm going to go with my Heat. Um, pretty happy with our new acquisitions. I felt like Goran Dragic was definitely on the decline for sure. And I think Kyle Lowry will provide a lot for us. Um, although he's definitely older, I think he'll bring a lot of defense and three-point shooting, which we desperately needed. And especially good playoff, um, good playoff experience that we didn't really have this last season. We lacked having guard play that will uh, definitely elevate in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with P.J. Tucker, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo. We'll see what he does next year. But, yeah, pretty excited. I agree that the Heat did improve this offseason. But, personally, I'd have a hard time calling them the winners of the offseason. Um, I think they're clearly in win-now mode. But I don't know if they got the pieces necessary to really be considered a championship contender at this point in time, you know. Starting lineup's pretty solid, I'm not going to lie. You got Lowry, Duncan, Robinson, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. But uh, the bench kind of scares me. You got Tyler Hero coming off the bench. But I guess Oladipo should be coming back. Um, and But who knows how he's going to recover from that injury, you know. You see players all the time have a serious injury. They come back, never the same. Um, and the big depth kind of scares me. I know that he signed Markeith Morris recently, but – who knows how much he's got left in the tank. And I don't know if the Wayne Deadman's a serious. I mean, I know the Heat fans love him, but I don't know how serious of a backup big man he and, is, you know. And how about how about Struss in the summer league too? You see the numbers he's putting up? Oh yeah, Max Struss. Hey, maybe maybe he'll be a legit piece, but I don't know. Yeah. I think the Heat are definitely a step below the the Bucks and the Nets at the top of the East right now. Yeah. So Kyle, let me ask you now. Who do you think so far of the Eastern Conference has had the best offseason? Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to, just like Alan, pick a biased answer. I want to say my Brooklyn Nets have the best offseason in the East so far. Picked up Patty Mills, solid bench score. I mean, obviously we know the starting lineup with the Nets is going to be one of the best in the league with Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris, KD. We're all coming back no matter what. But re-signed Blake Griffin to a deal for cheap. I love that move. He can start at the five. Um, we – uh, got Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown back, which I think is a huge piece. I think he's a big glue guy for the team. Um, I think Patty Mills is really going to help having another scorer off the bench. I think that was one thing we kind of lacked uh, last year. Once Kyrie and Harden kind of went down with their injuries, we lacked the real scorer off the bench. Um, and I'm also excited to see the new draft picks, Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, the two first-round picks the Nets had. I think they both can have an impact uh, in year one especially Cam Thomas, best scorer in the SEC last year at LSU. Uh, kind of similar to Patty Mills. I think he can be a really good scorer off the bench. And then Dayron Sharp, another athletic big. He can rebound, rim protect. Um, I think he can complement Blake Griffin really well if Claxton ever were to go down. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
so if we're talking about home bias, see, we have my Sixers. Uh, it'd be great to hear about your guys' opinions and how their offseason is going so far. So, Alan, take it away. I mean, personally, I think the Sixers have been doing a pretty good job. I mean, as of right now, they've re-signed Danny Green, which I think was good. I mean, Andre Drummond is definitely better offensive player than Dwight Howard. I'm not sure of the intensity level, but, I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, he's a good player. Um, I mean, I guess we'll also see what they do with Ben Simmons. I know they want to get a lot of value for him because, obviously, he's proven that he's very talented, a good player. But, I mean, so far, they haven't really – I don't think they've messed up very badly. So, so far, so good. And I guess time will tell to see how much better they get because, at the end of the day, they are always good regular season – always a good regular season team. But – it's always about the playoffs, so we'll see if they add make any good additions. Yeah, I think it's yep. hard to judge the Sixers offseason as a whole until we get a final answer on what they do with Ben Simmons. Um, I think the Sixers are returning mostly the same team, uh, replacing Drummond with Dwight Howard. And honestly, if I was a Sixers fan, I would not be completely satisfied with that right now. I mean, you just saw the team. I know Embiid was dealing with some injuries and anything can happen in the playoffs, but guys just lost in the Eastern Conference semifinals to the Hawks. And it doesn't really seem like uh, you guys did a whole lot to address the same issues that just plagued you in the all in the playoffs. So yeah. uh, to be honest, I would not, if I was a Sixers fan, I wouldn't be super excited. Um, although I do not know that trading Ben Simmons at his lowest value right now is the move either. So I think the Sixers are kind of in a tricky spot as a franchise for both now and their future. Yeah. And obviously it was pretty hard to get anybody in this offseason with the limited cap space we have. But I don't know if you guys saw, but Daryl Morey had a pretty cryptic tweet last night kind of showing some statistics from last season, making it seem like we're going to run back. But then this report came out from Bleacher Report and everybody today saying he's not talking. So I guess we'll see what happens. All right, so moving on. I'll go back to you, Kyle, on this one. What do you think about what's happening in New York right now? Do you think something's brewing? Do you think there's some contenders there? Do you think they possibly hurt themselves by signing some mid-levels guys and set themselves back? want to hear your thoughts on that yeah uh, honestly i'm kind of curious i'm not exactly sure the direction the knicks want to be in at this moment in time you know they just got kendall walker evan fournier two a little older players to complement their young core um i don't know that they're right now in a spot where they can really be considered championship contenders just like the heat um but they're kind of playing their cards in a way that they're trying to win now i mean they still do have a young core of like manual quickly barrett Randall, Toppin, those guys will all be here for the long term. But you have to wonder if possibly just staying course for one year or two and perhaps going after a bigger acquisition next offseason or in future offseasons might have been the better play. So to be honest, I think the Knicks will definitely be a contender in the East next year. But I again, I don't think they're at the top level. And I, I'm kind of concerned about the future that they're headed in. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And I mean, I thought there was a chance they might get Dame, but after that Kemba signing, I don't see that being a possibility. Uh, Alan, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so, I mean, I do need to think that we need to emphasize the fact that they just added Kemba Walker. So, I mean, that is, like, a pretty big deal, I think, because although he had a pretty bad season, this guy was definitely, like, a all-NBA point guard, starting uh, Eastern Conference point guard in the All-Star game. Like, this guy was a big deal, put up big numbers in Charlotte, so... I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to tell because they have a star like Emmanuel Quickly who has a lot of promise, but we'll just see what happens because when they have so many guards, which they had last year, it's kind of hard to see who is their main guy per se because 
they had Nitlakina, they had um, Alfred Payton, they had uh, Austin Rivers, they had so many different guys, and it's kind of hard to tell when you have so many guards and who's going to be your main scorer. So I think Evan Fournier is great. I think Julius Randle's good. So is RJ Barrett, but they definitely don't have really like a closer, which definitely affected them against the Hawks. Nobody really showed up to the point where they could beat them. So Kemba Walker is just going to have to see if he can, we can see if he's that guy because he's been injured a lot, but I mean, yeah, that's kind of, he's the X factor for them in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. One thing I want to add real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but Kemba Walker has had obviously an injury history recently, and Coach Tom Thibodeau is also known for uh, kind of pushing his players in the regular season. That's a good so point. I'm curious to see how what how, what he'll do, be doing with Kemba Walker, and if that will impact his play at all, or if he'll have his minutes restricted during the regular season, or what's going to go on with that. Yeah, so I was just going to say it's hard to know where they're going to stand. We don't really know what Kemba we're going to see. Are we going to see the beginning of Boston Kemba and the Charlotte Kemba? Or are we going to see last year's Kemba where he couldn't make a shot? Going off of this, obviously they have that bright, great young guard and quickly, and they also re-signed Derrick Rose. Do we think that Kemba signing is going to affect quickly's minutes, or do you think they could somehow coexist on the court at the same time together? So personally, I mean, I think you can quickly is kind of like a combo guard. So I feel like you could put him at the two and you could possibly uh, bring Fournier off the bench. I think that's definitely a possibility. But like I said, it's definitely going to be a little tricky because sometimes it's really tricky when you have a lot of talent because you don't know who to exactly pick. And all these guys are all kind of like very good all around players. So it's not like somebody's like a shooter. So you can have them play a specific role. So it's definitely they're just gonna have to battle for it, but I think quickly should definitely at least while he's on the Knicks, I think they should prioritize playing him at the two just because you have Derrick Rose and Kemba Walker, who are honestly two like above average point guards in my opinion. So at this point, I feel like if anything, he should probably have Fournier come off the bench, and you can put quickly at the two. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I think whether whether it's off whether it's starting the game or off the bench, I think you got to play quickly at the two. I think he can definitely be like a microwave type scorer, like a Jamal Crawford, some guy, someone like that. Um, another guy I want to mention is Alec Burks. The Knicks resigned him. He's another guy that's kind of like a scoring guard. Yeah. Probably gonna come off the bench, but it's possible that he plays a lot of uh, forward, plays the three a lot because the three. Knicks don't really have a lot of wing depth outside of Barrett and Randall. I guess they got Kevin Knox and maybe like Obi Toppin will be playing the four, but uh, they don't really have like a true backup forward. I guess so. I guess Burks is going to play that responsibility. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine that the second unit would probably be Rose at the one, quickly the two, and then Burks off the three, but they can always switch who's handling the ball. Where do we think Um, Bullock's going to be in the rotation? Well, Bullock isn't on the team yeah, anymore. Bullock's with the Mavericks, oh, I believe. Oh, yeah, okay. that's recent. So, uh, moving on. Going a little bit back to your uh, Nets history, Kyle. As we saw, your boy uh, Spencer Dinwiddie signed and trade. He's now on the Wizards, paired with Kuzma and Beal. Do we think that is a better pairing with the three of them compared to last year with Westbrook and company? Or do we think their team is better off now without Westbrook? And with the additions of Kuzma and uh, Dinwiddie. I think the team last year is going to be better than this year's team. Uh, as of right now, I don't really see the Wizards making the playoffs 
not necessarily because they got a lot worse, but more, more so because teams like the Bulls got better, the Pacers are going to be healthy, and the Hornets are going to improve uh, behind LaMelo Ball. Um, but I do think night. Dinwiddie's a nice piece for the Wizards moving forward. And I think they, with, with trading Westbrook, they kind of uh, committed to retooling the roster a little bit. So I think within the next couple of years, they're going to have a new roster ready to compete uh, with some different faces than we have right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Kyle Kuzma will definitely have his opportunity now. Before, um, he was playing behind Anthony Davis and – Marcus Marcus Morris, I believe, or Markeith Morris. I forget which one, but he's playing behind those two guys, playing a bunch behind a bunch of bigs, playing behind LeBron. So at this point, he'll have his opportunity to take as many shots as he can. Obviously, he's a talented player, and sometimes his work ethic has been questioned, but I think this will be his chance to display his complete talent. Dinwiddie is honestly like a great player. Kind of the same thing for him because he's playing behind so much talent, behind Irving and et cetera. And he obviously uh, displayed that the one year with uh, Kyrie Irving where they had that run. So, I mean, not Kyrie Irving, uh, D'Angelo Russell on that run. So, um, yeah, I think that their ceiling is definitely high, but kind of like you said, I don't think that they're going to make much noise. But if it works, yeah. I think it would be successful. And, I mean, previously, Dinwiddie has been a sixth man primarily. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how he is in this kind of second, third option role. But uh, do we think Beal's going to get traded before the deadlines in the offseason? Not at all. What are your thoughts on that? And if he does get traded, where do you think he'll land? Uh, to be honest, I think as of right now, I think Beal's going to try to stay in Washington. Um, I think the ownership and the GM coaches, all the, from the top down, I think they all support Beal and want him to be the guy in Washington. So if he's willing to kind of go through the retooling period right now, as I mentioned, uh, I think Beal is going to try to stay a wizard. Uh, the Wizards have some depth right now, so I, I think they can definitely make try to make some noise, at least uh, enough to make Beal happy with where he's at right now. You now grabbing Contavious Caldwell Pope and Montrezl Harrell in addition to Kuzma, drafting yeah. a, a big time shooter like Corey Kispert, I think also uh, is good because you Corey have Beal, Dinwiddie, ball handling. You're going to want guys off the ball that can knock down the three. So. I feel like Beal's morale and his uh, mood, I guess, in Washington has improved uh, since of what than it was in the past. So uh, I think Beal's going to stay in Washington personally. Yeah, and we've heard for years and years he's requesting trades. He doesn't get along with John Wall. Nothing's ever happened. So same trend. What about you, Alan? I mean, personally, do I think he's going to stay in Washington? Yes, but – do I believe that's a good idea? Absolutely not. I feel like at this point, he's been playing there for years and years, and nothing's really come about that. And honestly, if I was uh, Philadelphia, I'd be honestly trying to trade for him because at the end of the day, this team isn't going to get any better. They're not going to they're not going to be the conference champs. They're not going to make it out of the first round, like at least for the next five years, if they keep this same direction with Beal. If I was a Sixers, I'd be trying to trade Ben Simmons because. At the end of the day, uh, I don't think this team's going to get any better. And I think this also would be the perfect time to reunite the Shanghai Sharks with Kyle Kuzma and Ben Simmons. So, honestly, I feel like that would be the perfect trade and that would bring the media blowing up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Got, I got another one for you. Sleeper or not, Indiana Pacers? Uh. I don't really think they're a sleeper, to be honest. 
I don't really see how – I mean, don't get me wrong, they have talent, but if I were to say a sleeper, I would definitely go with the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, they already played pretty well last year, a pretty underrated team that honestly never – you never really wanted to play. They're kind of that team on your schedule that you really weren't looking forward to play. Honestly, many times it could be some of the league's top teams. LaMelo Ball proved last year that he's still great. He's going to be a great player for a long time in this league. Gordon Hayward had a great year. I mean, honestly, they have a bunch of potential with these guys, uh, Miles Bridges. So, honestly, man. And they got, like, and they got, they got Bo Knight in the draft, too. Oh, yeah, they got Bo Knight, who honestly I think might be one of the best players in the draft. Ridiculous player. So, honestly, I think Charlotte is definitely the biggest sleeper in the East. Terry Rozier, too. Just yeah, I, I think I would agree with what Alan said. Hornets also grabbed Mason Plumley. Nice little pickup, I think. Uh, should help the offense a lot. You, know, you got a lot of playmakers out there that can uh, get things done, not only by uh, scoring themselves, but helping out others. Plumley's a great passing center. Yeah. Uh, going back to Indiana, though, I think Indiana's got one of the better starting lineups in the league on paper. Um but their, their depth their depth kind of scares me. And also, I don't really think their players really mesh together. Like, the, the players on their own individually uh, can provide a lot of value, but I'm not a big buyer in the in the, the way their play styles mesh. Like, you know, TJ Warren, Carousel Vert, Sabonis, all of them can shoot a little bit, but none of them are, like, knockdown shooters. They don't really have a, a great shooter in that lineup. Uh, with playing both Sabonis and Turner – uh, they're, they're both pretty athletic guys, but uh, a lot of teams that play small have, will have a smaller guy, like a six, seven, six, eight guy on the four against Sabonis. And I don't think Sabonis can really move his feet a lot of times. So I think the Pacers have a lot of talent, but I don't think it really meshes well together. And I think you can kind of see that uh, in the way that there's, you know, there's a lot of rumblings that players were unhappy. You had fights with the coach, stuff like that. I think, um, a lot of that can be attributed to the lack of fit within the system. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we saw the NBA drafts come and go. Pick number one, Cade Cunningham, Montbird Academy, Oklahoma State. What do we think is going on in Detroit? They got a bright future. Or are they going to continue being a pretty hard team to watch, pretty hard city to be a fan of? What do we think about that? So, I mean, uh, I think the- – um, so I think the Detroit Pistons, I mean, I think they have a bright future, but I think it's definitely kind of like Oklahoma City. I think it's like a long-term investment. They obviously have some good players. They have Jeremy Grant, who had a great year. And they just traded a bunch of players last year. They got rid of Blake Griffin. Um, they have a good point guard. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I'm not really sure, like, what their direction is right now, like how like how quickly they think they're going to be good. But I think it's gonna definitely going to take a couple years. I'm not really buying any, like, uh, immediate progress. Yeah, I think yeah, it, I, it's definitely going to take some years, but Kate Cunningham will have an immediate impact. Yeah. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I, I love Kate Cunningham as a player. I think he's the real deal. I think he's going to have a really good career in Detroit. Um, but I do kind of question the ownership's thought process here with some of the free agent signings. In my opinion, if I was running the Pistons, I would kind of try to tank another year or two, grab some more high-level talent. But seems like they're trying to compete right now with some of the moves they made. I mean, they signed Kelly Olynyk. Um, and they got Corey Joseph. Um, so those are two kind of veteran presences uh, that, you know, can help the team out in the regular season. But you got to wonder if maybe that might help out too much in a way and uh, keep the Pistons from selecting near the top of the first round next year. Yeah, definitely. Could see 
um, still obviously being the lottery, but not as good of a pick as they would have wanted. Um, yeah, so moving on, Orlando Magic. Any thoughts on them? We know Markel Fultz had a torn ACL. Jonathan Isaac's been hurt. They've got some talent. None of it's really been put together. What do you think they should be doing? I gotta say, I love the Jalen Sugg selection at pick five. I'm, I was surprised to see him fall to five. Uh, I was kind of expecting the Raptors to take him at four, but they went with Scotty Barnes instead. So I, I love player. that. I, I kind of love their draft. They got two top eight picks. They went with Jalen Suggs and then Franz Wagner with their eighth pick. Interestingly enough, now they got the Wagner brothers on the same team, Franz and Mo. Uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, and with the backcourt, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, even like RJ Hampton. Uh, you got a lot of potential yeah. out there. Um, I think the Magic are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. I think there's no way around that. I mean, their starting lineup on paper just really is not that good at all. I guess their biggest star at the moment would have to be considered Cole Anthony, a second-year player. So I think the Magic are definitely a work in progress, but I think they've got some pieces and uh, are on the right track. I'm not going to lie. I, I think they're going to be horrible because – Honestly, like, like after trading Vucevic, like, although he was like, I felt like they had to go in a different direction because they hadn't really improved in a while. But honestly, like, I don't think they're gonna get that much better. I mean, they have some good players. They have Cole Anthony, like you said. I don't. I'm not buying Wagner either of them at all. Mo Bamba hasn't really shown anything, although he's like huge size. <laughs> um, Terrence Ross. <laughs> Has been good, but like big bet. He he needs to be on a playoff team, not a team that's at the bottom of the East every year. Yeah, he's not he's not a number one option, um, at all. I don't really think they have a number one option yet, but we'll see. I mean, I think Jalen Suggs is gonna have an immediate impact. He'll end up probably being the best player on the team by the end of the season. So so we have we have time for around like two two more questions. We'll go. Um, so this question will be about the Bucks. We saw them. They were down 2-0 to the Suns, came back, won four straight. Do we think they have the chance to repeat? We obviously saw P.J. Tucker's gone. They re-signed Bobby Portis. I mean, obviously, if the Mets were healthy, it wouldn't have even come to that. What do we think? Repeat or no? I mean, I'm going to say no. Go oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I got to say no. I mean, they'll get DiVincenzo back, which I think will help them out a lot. Um, but – uh, I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily think Tucker's a huge loss. Obviously, his defensive presence is important, but I think the Bucks will be able to kind of make up for it. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to repeat, not necessarily because they're getting any worse or they're going to be uh, a worse team this year. I think it's more so just because the Nets and the Lakers are both getting healthy, A, and B, improving. Um, so I, yeah. I think you got to consider the Lakers and Nets kind of the co-favorites for the title at the moment, but – I'd probably slot Milwaukee in right behind them at the third spot. Yeah. I still I don't think PJ Tucker's some sort of elite talent, but I do think he brings a great intensity and in defense we saw. I know he's being a little dirty with Kevin Durant, but it was rattling the team up. They're getting excited, brought great energy, which the Heat will definitely be looking forward to. So Alan, what are your thoughts on the Bucks? Well, the Bucks, the good thing about their team is that you know what you're going to get out of them. You know what you're going to get out of Giannis. He's a consistent 30-point-per-game scorer. Milton has shown that he's a good postseason scorer, and he really um, established himself as their late-game clutch player. So, honestly, like, I would expect the same thing out of the Bucks. I mean, at the end of the day, 
it all comes down to whether the Nets can stay healthy. And based off the last couple of seasons, I'm not really convinced. But obviously, if I were to pick between one, if the safe bet, I think would be the Bucks, just because they can stay healthy. But obviously, we all know what Kevin Kyrie, I mean, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Harden can do when healthy. So, yeah. yeah I mean, we never really, we never really can predict uh, injuries. Giannis yeah. could tear something tomorrow. They could stay healthy. We never really know. And this leads us into our last question, which we obviously got to talk with the Bulls. They made some very big acquisitions this offseason. Alonzo Ball, DeMar Rosen. Obviously, they have Vooch from last uh, last season. Uh, when you think about this, they're going to make a run in the postseason. I mean, who knows if they make the postseason? What are your guys' thoughts? Kyle, do you want to go? I'll go ahead. Um, I, th- I think the Bulls uh, definitely make an improvement. I, I do think they are going to make the postseason. Um, I don't know exactly how far they're going to get. Um, I, I, I do kind of wonder what direction they're really headed in there. I mean, obviously, they're trying to win now with the roster they just acquired. But I, I don't know if they're even considered in, like, the top half of the playoff teams in the East at this moment. Um, like I, I, don't, I wouldn't consider them a safe bet to even make it out of the first round at all right now. Um, and it's not like – any of their pieces are necessarily super young. Like, I mean, Lonzo, Levine, Markin and Vucevic, they're all still young, but the Rosen's kind of getting up there in age. Um, I don't know how long-term of a thing this is going to be with the, yeah. with the, with the uh, contracts and ages of some of their players, but I do think they're going to be a pretty solid team this year, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to turn them into a real threat in the East. Yeah, and Alan? I mean, to be honest, I like their moves, but I definitely think Lonzo is extremely overrated, in my opinion. Like, the guy is definitely, in my opinion, not even, like, he might be a little bit better than average point guard in the NBA, but, like, obviously we know what he brings with his passing. He's obviously a great shooter. He's obviously an upgrade over Kobe White. I mean, I think a lot of point guards are, but point is, um, DeMar Rosen is good. Um, Vucevic, they don't really have that much time with him, but He's obviously another good player that they have. So I guess we'll just see it. But I definitely do think they're going to make the playoffs. I definitely would bet on that. And I think Chicago is, should yeah. get used to some winning this year. Yeah, I think uh, they make the playoffs. Uh, I don't – but I think there's definitely a chance they don't. Don't forget they got uh, Patrick Williams from Florida State second year. And also I think they got a really great steal with Io in the second round. He dropped a lot. and I mean, having Kobe White off the bench is going to be good too, so – they do have some studs on their team. And go yeah, ahead, Kyle. Again, I was just, just going to say, I think Patrick Williams is going to be the X factor for the Bulls, not only for now, but for the future. I mean, if Williams develops into the player the Bills thought they were getting with the fourth overall pick in last year's draft, and Williams develops into maybe Zach Levine's co-star, uh, even rising above some of the other players they have on their team, I think that kind of turns them into a real contender if they have a player that – what uh, if they think Williams is going to be a star-level player – uh, to add to their already pretty impressive starting lineup. Um, but also you got Alex Caruso coming off the bench now for Chicago. Yeah, I think that's Caruso. a pretty nice pickup. Yeah, um, I think Chicago's got a pretty solid lineup, and they got some depth. Um, you got, you're looking at White, Caruso, and either Patrick Williams or Markinen leading a second unit. And I, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, the one thing that would worry me about their roster makeup is – kind of the lack of a real second co-star to Levine. I mean, the Rosen and Vucevic are great players, don't get me wrong, but um, I don't know that they're really can, they can really be like second options on a championship team uh, where they are right now. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, yeah, I I agree with that. That there's definitely a lot to be proved this year. DeRozan has had a lots of opportunities in his career to get past big names like LeBron, and he hasn't really been able to succeed. LeBron, though. Yeah, and Lonzo, <laughs> Lonzo honestly has a lot to prove this year. The pressure has never been higher for him. He's had a lot of hype ever since the uh, the the draft. High school. High school. I don't think he's really lived up to it. I mean, the guy had his own sneaker at one point. So I just think this guy needs to prove it this year and show everyone up. But, yeah, I guess only time will tell. But I do think they'll make at least the seventh or sixth seed. And I do think Caruso is one of the best uh, backups in the NBA. So that was a good pickup. Yeah. Yeah. So really great points in today's podcast. We're going to have to wrap it up. But for episode number two, it's going to be juicy. It's going to be great. We're going to be talking about the Western Conference. We're going to have a lot to say about that. So thank you guys for watching, for coming out. I really enjoyed having you, Kyle and Alan. I'm looking forward to doing this again. And when we get that down to Miami, it'll be even better. Sure. All right, there you Keith. Go.